Would you pray with me, please? Father, this morning, we thank you for your presence here in our gathering. You promised where two or three are gathered together in your name that you would be here, and so you are, and we are grateful. Father, this morning we ask for open ears to hear what your spirit is saying. And we ask for open hearts, Lord, that your word may conform us to be more like Jesus. Transform us is a better word, to be like Jesus. Because that is our heart, to be more like Jesus. To be Jesus with skin on to a suffering and hurting world that doesn't know the victory that there is in Christ. We ask you, Father, all of this in the name of Jesus. We give you honor. We give you praise. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I was going to say, since we have a few visitors here, I'm going to kind of do a little overview of what we've been teaching. But visitors isn't really the right word. It's more like old friends. But you're not old. So it's more like friends. So uh, for our friends... I want to tell you that we have been looking at abundant living. Uh, we kind of use it interchangeably with prosperity, but I want to make sure that, that you understand that we don't believe that it's name it, claim it. That's not what we're teaching. What we're looking at is what the scripture says about the abundance of God and how Christians come into that abundance. And, and that's important for us for a number of reasons, but one of the reasons is that Jefferson County typically, and for a long time, has been more on the poverty side of life than on the abundance side. So as Christians, we have a wonderful opportunity to bring the blessings of God's love to others by allowing God to bless us and receiving the abundant life that Jesus died to give us. So with that said, in our introduction to abundance, we showed from Scripture that abundance is not something that Christians should seek. Rather, abundance is a byproduct of seeking God. God will abundantly provide for our needs. He has promised this. So our focus, rather than things, should be on being Jesus to others. We defined abundance as having enough to meet our own needs and the needs of others. And we noted that abundance is not restricted to finances, belongings, or material things. And we'll look at that a little bit more as we go on. We learned that stewardship is a matter of doing it. Without works, faith is dead. And so we need to be stewards of the things that God has given us. And as we began to dissect abundance, we discussed three mindsets or lenses, if you will. The first was the lens of scarcity. And if we view life through this lens, we will always be fearful. We will always be anxious, stingy, and greedy. The scarcity mindset revolves around the idea that there's not enough for everyone. There's not enough to go around. The second lens was the lens of abundance. The lens of abundance allows us to be charitable in giving. And in God's economy, scarcity 
becomes abundance. We showed that. And then the third lens was the lens of stewardship, conducting, supervising, careful and responsible management of something that has been entrusted to one's care. And today we're going to study the fourth lens of abundance, which is the lens of outgiving God, if you can. I would like to believe that anybody who's been a Christian for any length of time would not need to be convinced that you can't outgive God. But you know, sometimes in life, storms and struggles come. And we focus on our circumstances instead of on what God's word says. And we get discouraged. Doubt creeps in. And before we know it, we're believing the lie rather than the truth. And so sometimes we have to come back to God's word and see what it says about our circumstances. We need to get our stinking thinking sanctified to agree with and believe what God says about our circumstances. I personally believe God reserves wealth for very few Christians because I don't think very many Christians can handle it well. I think I'm pretty sound in thinking that. Jesus said in uh, Matthew 19:23, Assuredly, I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. But that's not to say that Christians should not be prosperous or live abundant lives. I am by no means a wealthy person, but God has nonetheless provided for me abundantly. Absolutely, he has provided for me far better than any sinner deserves. And God's abundant provision did not begin when I received him as Jesus Christ. In my case, all of my life, from a wee child, God has provided abundantly through my parents. They were not wealthy, but we always had food on the table. We always had a roof over our, our heads. And I always had parents that cared in love for me. I know that's not so everywhere, but... Oh, and, and, and most importantly, God allowed me to be born in the most abundant wealthy country in the world. I have often wondered, God, why wasn't I born in India or Nigeria? I think I was too weak to make it there. I think God had to put me here so I could survive. But for whatever reason, I'm so grateful that he did. Peter once said to the Lord, Behold, we have left our own homes and followed you. That's in Luke 18, 28. And Jesus told them, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom who will not receive many times as much at this time and, the age to, and in the age to come eternal life. Now, I don't know about you, but that to me sounds like abundance. Sounds to me like I can't outgive God. But notice, for the sake of the kingdom, God doesn't want us to be wasteful with what he has invested in us. He wants us to be discerning. He wants us to use it for the right things. He wants us to use the gifts and the resources and the talents that he has given us 
for the kingdom of God. And so if you're, if you're giving everything you have to God's kingdom, I am convinced you can't outgive God. And there, and, and there are many scriptures to show that. You know, uh, before moving to Goldman, Missouri, I lived a pretty abundant lifestyle. I was single, didn't need much, had an apartment. I taught swimming and water safety at one college and first aid at the university across the river. And in the wintertime, I was a ski bum. And in the summertime, I was on Lake Superior or in Lake Superior or under Lake, well, not under the lake, but under the water. Um, in the forests and uh, the wonderful wilderness that God pro has provided and left untouched there. And, and I really thoroughly was enjoying my life. And then God called me to Cosm, Christian Outreach School of Ministries here in Goldman. I didn't have a big savings account. In fact, I had no savings at all. Money came in, money went out. And so I came down here. I didn't even have a car. I had about $200 in my wallet, but I knew God called me down here. Now, after about three or four weeks here, I kind of started to wonder, and now I know why God didn't give me a car, because I probably would have ran away. But I was stuck here, and I'm so glad I was, looking back. I didn't have a job. I was pretty much provided for by living in Cabin City, which unfortunately no longer is, and the other students at the Christian Outreach School of Ministries, and part-time work that I was able to pick up at Valley Ambulance District. But God still provided for me. I didn't miss a meal. I didn't go hungry. I didn't go cold. I had a roof over my head. It was a small roof, but I had a roof over my head. I had everything I needed. And, in, and on top of that, I had a family of fellow students. I, you'd have had to been there. You just couldn't understand what a family of, I mean, it was a family of families. There was like 60 adults, children, families. We were all living together. We were all eating our, suppers to, our supper together. Oh, it was a wonderful time. And God was providing so richly for so many of us who came down here with nothing, just trusting in God. That this was what God wanted us to do. That this would further the kingdom of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 15, Paul writes, But this I say, he who sows sparingly also will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace, I want to say it again, God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That you always having all sufficiency in all things. That means having everything you need for everything that God has called you to do. That you, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Whatever it is God is calling you to do, there is an abundance of resources available to you. Nothing is impossible with God, so nothing's impossible with you. 
As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Continuing in verse 10. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. Which causes thanksgiving through you to God. While though for the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. While through, though, through proof of this ministry, they glorify God for your obedience, for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ, and for your liberal sharing with them in all men. God wants us to be abundant so that we can give abundantly, which results in abundant thanksgiving to him. Now, in urging the Corinthian believers to give generously, Paul was aware that he must address a very human concern in the world, and that is limited resources. But Paul assured them that God's, in God's economy, things work different. In God's economy, scarcity becomes abundance. And again, I'll refer you back to the, the feeding of the 3,000 or the feeding of the 5,000. In God's economy, scarcity becomes abundance. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, we read it said, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. I've got two quick stories about this. Recently, we decided we wanted a fire pit in our backyard, but we have no backyard. We have woods. So we cleared out a spot in the woods, cut down the trees, prepare the soil. We bought some very expensive grass seed because I didn't want to drag a lawnmower through 200 feet of woods to cut the grass. So we bought a very expensive grass seed that only grows about four inches. And at first we sowed it abundantly. But as we were getting about halfway down, we realized that our resources were growing scarcer. So we, didn't, we started being more scarce in our <clears throat> sowing. And if you were to come over to our house and walk down there, although you can kind of see it from our deck, you would see a difference from where we sowed abundantly and where we sowed not so abundantly. Lush green grass and then strips of green here and there. When I was at Cosm, <clears throat> um, I was in class one night and the, professor, the instructor happened to mention the fact that he didn't have enough money for his, um, his mortgage. I, mean, I think I've told this before, but it's, it applies. And so God spoke, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, give him what's in your wallet. Now understand, I, I didn't have a job. I didn't, what was in my wallet was what I had. But I felt I had to be obedient. But I said, God, it's only $20. That's all I got. What's $20 going to do on a $400 mortgage or $300 mortgage? And God spoke to my heart and said, yes, but if every student in here give $20, his mortgage would be covered. So after class, I went up and I gave him the $20. 
Now, sometime later, he invited me to go on a summer of tent ministry with him, doing tent revivals. And we were all over the Midwest, and I believe we were in Ohio at the time. And we got word that a very close relative of mine passed away. Well, I had no money. I was in the, I was going, I was with the tent ministry. I, I wasn't working at, my, at Valley Ambulance anymore, so I had no money. So he paid for my plane ticket to get home so that I could attend the funeral. Now, that, I don't know what the plane ticket was back. It had to be at least 120 130 maybe $150, $175. I don't know. But I know that the, re, the, the, the return on my investment, the $20, came back many-fold. And it wasn't an idea that he, fit, that he had to pay me back. It was the fact that you can't outgive God. I felt impressed and I was obedient to give the $20. He felt impressed and was an obedient to give me a plane ticket home. And so we read in Proverbs chapter 11, verses 24 and 25, there is one who scatters, yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. I would like to talk about three things in relationship to not being able to outgive God. First, I want to talk about God's supply. We've talked about this before. I won't spend much time. Uh, we looked at it before through uh, the context of Matthew 6. I'd like to look at it through the context of Psalm 50, verses 7 through 12. Hear, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel, and I will testify against you. I am God, your God. I will not rebuke your sacrifices or your burnt offerings, which are continually before me. I will not take the bull from your house, nor goats out of your folds. Every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the mountains and all the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. For the world is mine, and all of its fullness. As we have said before, there is no lack to God's supply. God's resources don't end. I, I remember a story. Of, I, I, uh, a Christian went to the bank to buy a business, and um, they wanted to know what collateral he had. And he said, I've got a, a rich, I think he said rich uncle. But he said, I've got a rich uncle that owns all the, all the cattle on a thousand hills and all the gold underneath them. And they gave him the loan. Second, I'd like to talk about God's design. God created us to be blessings, to be rivers of living water, to be channels of blessing, not containers. God did not create us to take in and hold and store. God broke the vessel so that it would flow out of us, so that what he gives to us, we would give to others. 
2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8 said, And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, have abundance for every good work. Abundance for every good work. What does that apply to? Doesn't that apply to witnessing? Doesn't that apply to praying for miracles and healings? Doesn't that apply to demonstrating the love of Jesus to others? Doesn't that apply to provision for yourself, your family, and others? Doesn't that apply to everything God has called you to do? That's why, that's why Jesus said that he was not a taskmaster. Because it's not that he puts us in situations and forces us to fix them. It's that he puts us in situations and allows us to be vessels of blessing. In John chapter 7, verses 37 through 38. On the last day, that great day of the feast... Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart flows rivers of living water. This is our sufficiency, to be rivers of living water, allowing God's love and power to flow through us to others in need. Acts chapter 20, verses 35. I have shown in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I think this, everybody's heard that before. It's more blessed to give than to receive. But have you ever asked yourself, why is it more blessed to give than to receive? Well, I had to narrow the list down for time's sake, but here are a few. Giving obeys God's command. Giving exhibits God's heart and illustrates God's salvation. Giving trusts in God's provision. Giving testifies to God's power. Giving praises God's character. Giving frees us from greed. Can't grab what I don't have, right? Giving conforms us to be more like Jesus. Giving allows us to endure relationships with uh, to have enduring relationships with others. And in giving, we will reap eternal rewards. Obviously, we can't outgive God. So giving incurs God's blessings upon ourselves. Thirdly, I'd like to look at God's cycle. The more I give away, the more I get to give away. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 11, we read, While you are enriched in everything for all liberality, all liberality, freely giving all without being concerned about what will you do, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. There's a story of an American serviceman that was making his way back to the barracks in London early one morning many years ago. 
He saw a little boy with his nose pressed up to the window of a bakery, staring in silence. And the serviceman's heart went out to this little boy. It's probably an orphan. Son, he said, would you like some of those? Oh, yeah, I would, the boy responded. The serviceman stepped inside and bought a dozen. He took the bag outside, gave it to the boy and said, here you are. As he turned to walk away, he felt a tug on his coat. He heard the child ask quietly, Mister, are you God? When we give, we act as God does. We demonstrate God's heart towards those who are struggling. You can't not outgive God because God's abundant blessings are on you so that you may have more. That brings thanksgiving unto God through the love and care of God that you show to others. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Given, it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be will it be put into your bosom? For with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, oftentimes we talk about this, about you know, financial seeding and money, but I want to tell you, this doesn't just apply to finances. It applies to every area of our life. The more freely you forgive, the more freely you're forgiven. The more freely you serve, the more freely you're served. The more you worship God, the more God blesses you. In every area of our life, the more you give yourself to your work within God's priorities and reason, the more your work will appreciate what you do. And God will bring promotion. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. If you are not convinced that you can't outgive God, I challenge you to try it. Now, remember, you have to do so with wisdom, with discerning, by the leading of the Holy Spirit to, prosper, to, to benefit the kingdom of God. But if you don't think you can't, if you don't know that you can't outgive God, try it and see what happens. I am as sure as I'm standing here, you cannot outgive God. I believe it was J.C. Penney amongst many. He started tithing 10% and living on 90%. He ended up, before he died, tithing 80% and living abundantly on 20%. He could not outgive God. <coughs> Acts 30, verse 6, Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but what, that which I have I give to you, 
in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Showing care and love for others, showing God's heart for others, doesn't necessarily mean financial support or aid. There have been times there wasn't enough money in my wallet to meet the need. But that doesn't mean I couldn't do anything. What you have, oh, what you have in Jesus Christ. What you have as a son and an ambassador of God. But what you have, give freely. And you won't be able to outgive God. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. He will supply all of your need. Matthew 6, verse 19 through 21. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We started by saying that God loves a cheerful giver. And when our focus is on this life, it's hard to give cheerfully. Because this life is hard. This life has limited resources. This life has too many unknowns. But when our focus is on the life to come, I'm just passing through. Everything I have is God's anyhow. What? It doesn't matter. I can freely and cheerfully give everything I've got if it's needed. Because I'm not worried about this life. I know God has me in the palm of his hand. I'm looking to the life to come. I'm not looking to invest in the stock market in this life. I'm looking to invest in the kingdom of God in the next life. Because this life is just a test. This life is just a passageway. This life is just school to graduate to living in God's presence. As our beloved brother Jim Keene and Damon Coleman and Bill Johnson all know. God put us in this world to be a blessing to others. To be Jesus with skin on and cause them to give thanksgiving to God for God's incredible love. Have you ever thought about the fact that God is almighty? God can do whatever he wants. God could have just been a real tyrant. He could have been that guy up there with those lightning bolts throwing them down at everything he dislikes. That's not the God we serve. He's a God of love, a God of compassion. He cares about you. He cares about, he knows every hair on your head. That's how much he cares about you. And he knows when every one of those hairs falls. You cannot outgive God because God destined you to be a broken vessel 
pouring his love and power and care on a dying world that doesn't know anything about him but desperately needs his love his compassion his care and his salvation Bob Heil used to say you cannot carry a ton of truth across you cannot carry a one ton of truth across a bridge that doesn't support one ton you got to build the bridge first Jesus did that Zacharias climbs up in the tree, right? Wants to see Jesus. Jesus wants Zacharias saved, but he doesn't say, Hey, Zacharias, you got to clean up your, pat, your act here, bud. He says, Hey, let's go have dinner together. Let's get to know each other. And then Zacharias is able to receive the message, the grace, the love that Jesus brought to this earth. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, oh Lord, we are so blessed to be your children. Why me and not the, my neighbor? I don't know. But I know I want for my neighbor what you have given me. And so Jesus, I thank you for your abundant provision in my life. And I ask, Lord, that you help me to be faithful, to be able to be the broken vessel through which rivers of living water flow and refresh my neighbors and build those bridges and demonstrate Jesus' love for them and draw them to you, Lord. And Lord, is that, may that be each of our hearts, heart of grateful thanksgiving for all you've given us. So grateful that we freely give it to others. Knowing that we cannot outgive you. Oh, Holy Spirit, help us increase in, in, in our giving to others, to reaching out with the abundance that you give us to those less blessed, to those who don't know. To those who need your love. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.